Welcome to the 100th episode of Off the Menu. I'm Vincent Franchini from Tumblr House, here with a centennial Charles Coulomb. Centennial? Wow. 100th episodes, ladies and gents. 100 episodes. This is, this is nifty. Who, who would have thought three years ago, however long it was, that we would have seen 100 episodes? I know. Time flies. It's, it's it's amazing. I mean, gosh, I uh, you know we, because of your bizarrely arcane methods of getting me hooked up on this feed, uh, you know, I, I had to uh, endure. Oh no, I shouldn't say endure. She's a sweet lady. I don't want to. I don't want to bag on her or anything like that. Uh, but Laura, you know, the receptionist. I, I you always stick me with her for like a half hour. Well, not all right. I exaggerated. Fifteen minutes before we finally see each other. And so she was telling me uh, that she rarely ever sees you anymore coming in in the morning. Uh, she, okay. well, you know, you always used to come by and you'd say hi, smile, maybe give her a, a big box of Seas candies or something. And then, you know, you'd, you'd go, but this is before you became the power you are now. And then you'd go to the elevator and, and, and go to your, I don't know, foot floor on the 14th or whatever it was. Um, she says, ever since you bought out your brother, she, um, she doesn't see you anymore. That's what she says. I'm not looking for love, Charles. I'm not. <laughs> well, uh, not for her anyway. She's got a large lady, but still, I, I, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. She's also too old for you. She's almost to be your mother, for heaven's sake. Forget it. And she's taken. She's married. Yes. Well, anyway, the point is, she misses you. That's nice. That's sweet. That's very sweet. I appreciate Tell her I appreciate that. You know, I'm sensing a, a, a lack of empathy. You know, you know what it is. You know what it is. It's, it's, that, it's that bloody office. I'm at the, you like you like the view top of the Tumblr House building? Yes, it's wonderful, but I think it kind of uh, distorts your sense of proportion. Personally, I think it has taken away a small part, not a large part, a small part of your humanity. I really do. I mean, to me, it amplifies my humanity because I am able to see so much of humanity from up here. You know, <laughs> you've never seen the view from up here. It's really yes, unbelievable. Yes, I'm looking at it now. I mean, it's downtown L.A. I, 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 the Eastern Building, the, the, the uh, oh gosh, what's that thing over there? The uh, not the Mutual Building. Oh, uh, the yeah, I mean, the the, there's uh, there's City Hall right there back yeah, there. That's, yeah, that's the City Hall Building. I know, famous as the Daily Planet yeah. in uh, in Superman and destroyed in War of the Worlds. Yeah, uh, yeah, I see the whole thing uh, <laughs> spread out before you like a, a chicken delight menu, and I, you know, great. But I don't think you really feel connected to downtown. It's un it's an unbelievable altruistic feeling of interconnectedness from up here. I mean, you can see everything. That's going on. I mean, I gotta bring you up here one time. I mean, the people up the from up here. I mean, the people just look like ants. And right. 
And in a way, though, they are ants. But, uh... Uh, anyway, yeah. what were you we talking about? What were you we talking about? Um, yeah, your your lack of proportion. Okay. Um, well, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, suffice it to say that I am very, very happy in any case that we've got reached our 100th anniversary, our 100th uh, show. I think it's amazing. I want to thank our, our uh, viewers. I want to thank the hardworking staff at Tumblr House in uh, all their manifold but incomprehensible jobs. Uh, hey. You're so demeaning, I, Charles. I'm not demeaning. I mean, look, I asked one of the girls in the secretarial pool, what do you do all day? She said, I generate correspondence. And I asked her, what, what does that mean? And she said, it means what I said. I generate correspondence. I make sure letters go out. I make sure they come in. And, and I said, okay, I, I got that part. But what are they concerned? What's the point? And she said, it's business. She said, you can't have a huge enterprise like Tumblr House without a lot of correspondence. And I said, well, why don't you just use emails? And she looked at me like I was an idiot. I'm serious. And then I heard this. And she reaches up and pulls out a message from your office in, you know, the pneumatic tube thing. Right. You still use pneumatic tubes. Yeah, it's a proprietary system. I guess. All right. Well, forget it. I'm not going to complain about the company. Oh, no? Oh, okay. No, well, I'm let's, not. Let's move on then. Okay. So, uh, right, do you, let's so go. what else is going on, Charles? What's going, what's going on in your world? Anything new? Any developments? Yes. Huge developments. I finished my book today. I Yay. finished the manuscript of the Kaiser Carl book. So it's going to be appearing from 10, from 10 in May. Keep your eyes out for it. May. May. That's so far away. I can't wait I, that long. Well, you'll have to because it's it's no, but <sighs> okay. Uh, it's going on. It's going. It's going. It's going to be published in May. But wait, there's more. There's so much more. I am leaving here tomorrow. I'm leaving the city of the emperors for the city of the emperors. I'm going to Aachen, Isla Chapelle. Oh Charlotte wow! And then, when after I've been there a few days, I'm going to move on to Chavine in the depths of the Vendée in France. And I'm going to do a conference there with no less than uh, Joe Pierce and Mike Church. The good guys. And, yeah. And then uh, I'm going to go wandering in the forest of Brasiliand, looking for elves and Merlin and Arthur and all those people. I doubt I'll find them, but it won't keep me from looking. Plus, when I'm done with that, I'll come back here. I'll only be here a couple days. Really? Because, yes. Because then I'll be leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when. Well, I do, actually. I'll be back on the 27th of August. But I will be leaving here. I'll get on a plane and fly to Paris. But I'm not going to be there very long because I'm going to get on another plane and fly to San Francisco. But I'm not going to be there very long. Okay. About an hour. And then that big old bird is going to land at LAX. I shall return to the big nowhere. And so, if I were you, I would brush off the old studio 
I would have it dusted for the first time in six months. I would have the corners search for spiders and that kind of thing. I would lay in some donuts. And I would prepare because we're going to go old school for the 101st show. That's right. Old school. <sighs> some, the old ways are best. That's what they say on the 13th floor. <laughs> um, anyway, I shouldn't say anything about the 13th floor. You know, it, it is kind of sad, though, when you think about it. Uh, I have had actually heard people complaining, whining, about the, the amount of time we spend chattering away on, on company business. Yeah, we do. But I, I, I look at it this way. It makes me happy. It's your pursuit of happiness. I mean, you're a true American. I sure am. I'm a grand old flag. I'm a high fly. Well, anyway, you get the idea. No, seriously, folks. It's, it's, it's all amazing. I spent the 4th of July very quietly here, as you know. No fireworks. No nothing. But that's going to be different when I get to L.A. We're going to let off fireworks. We're going to have a parade, everything. You didn't represent, Charles. What do you mean I don't represent? You, you didn't represent America over there. You're supposed I to be a, a, a Yankee. I'm a goodwill ambassador. Are you a good goodwill ambassador or a bad I'm a goodwill great goodwill, ambassador? I'm a great goodwill ambassador. I mean, when, uh, whenever anybody says anything over here, I tell them how much better we have it in the States. <laughs> like what? Like what? Well, I... Well, I'll give you an example. We were, we were giving a tour of the Hofburg, the Imperial Palace in Vienna. It goes back to like 1100, and it's the oldest part. Uh, like we're supposed to be impressed with that. So I told the tour guide, I said, we got older ones back home, bigger ones, better ones, with central heating. So I told him. <laughs> no, you didn't. There's we no the, way you said that. And we went to the Kaisergruft, you know, where all the, all the emperors are, are entombed. And I said, this is nothing. You should see our presidential tombs in Washington. No, you didn't. And he no, said, what? <laughs> presidential tombs? This is the tour guide. I said, yeah, we've got this big, this big uh, crypt. It's like this, only better. And it's got all of our presidents neatly stacked with their, you know, their faces and everything. It's kind of like uh, the, uh, the, the joint in uh, King's Landing before it got blown to bits. You know, the septum or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah, I told oh, him that's oh, what oh, our. Oh, oh, you're talking. Okay, got, I got it, got it. Yeah, that that's the the. That I told him that that was that was based on our presidential crypt in Washington. Wow. And, you know, he acted like I was full of it, but you know, I told him you're just saying that because you're Austrian. I tell you, I've been, I've been a goodwill ambassador. I'm sure, Charles. I'm sure. Yes. <sighs> I said. I told him. I said we've. I I uh, was asked. Uh, you know what? What uh, kind of gifts, etc., do we uh, do we generally bring, you know, overseas? And I said, chocolates, nylons, trade beads. I, I've been I've been doing my part for our country, and we thank you, Charles, for your service. As you should, as you should. Uh, okay. Um, we got any questions? Okay. Well, a couple. Hold your horses, Charles. Okay. Firstly. We hit our goal of $750. We're on Yay! the nose. Yeah, right on the nose. Oh, Three oh. shows a month. Uh, so hopefully it holds up. Sometimes people drop out. But if it holds up, uh, what the plan is, is um, 
we'll start when Charles gets back, and we'll do a show every week uh, when he gets back. And so that's how we'll kick off. So we're going to, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a week off while Charles is parading around Europe. Uh, being a goodwill ambassador. Being a goodwill ambassador. For free. Now, you're not paying for my services, ladies and gentlemen. I am serving my country on my own dime. And then we'll start up again, old school style, every week right. for the duration, for, for the for the month of August. So Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. then we'll go to the three weeks in September. Right. Okay. Uh, and I'm glad we hit the goal because we have been getting inundated with so many questions. So we'll be able to, to cycle through them 50% faster now. So that should make everyone happy. Okay, as part of uh, the special hundredth uh, episode, we have we have uh, we're going to go through a bunch of memes for our memes oh. and dreams. We have been absolutely flooded, overloaded, overwhelmed with memes in t on Twitter these past two weeks. We just have wow. so many. So I really got to to pick and choose this week from the memes. We've just had so many. You think um, it's memey? It's it's Mimi. It's Mimi. Like dreamy. Memes of dreams, dreamy, Mimi. No. No. No, that's Mimi is not uh, an adjective. No. Okay. All right. Just try. Oh gosh. Okay. So, all right. So let's let's start with uh we'll go through through these quickly. Uh, we'll see what Charles <laughs> thinks of each meme. So, here we go. First meme. Fitzhugh from Fitzhugh and Bricks. So, we've got I saw this. I had no idea what was going on. I don't know what I am. I don't know what Charles is. I'm told this is from the game Fallout, which is a, a post-apocalyptic setting. I don't know why I'm a mummy. I don't know who this mummy character is. And Charles has he's got these rags, in the, but he's got a Sacred Heart situation going on, which is nice. You, you got me. Are you sure it's not World of Warcraft or more pandas or something? <laughs> Nice try, Charles. Yeah, Mist of Pandaria. That's one of like the fifth expansion. Yeah, I mean, where you get that from? Your your uh, your niece or nephew? Of course. Where do I get all this nonsense out of? You know, are we blood elves? <laughs> Who knows? Okay. All right. There's one. So okay. So any any comments on this? Just you're you're just lost. You're just lost right I, now. You know, I I don't know what to say, but I'm all for it. What <laughs> else we got? Okay. Next one is. From Mustard Marauder, crashing the plane with no survivors. And we've got Charles, clearly the villain of Bane. And I am a very um, out of shape Batman, shall we? Yeah, uh, Batman. <laughs> too flattering Batman. Batman. Uh, <laughs> that boy need a, need a little, little bit of a butterball, you know. <laughs> I think Batman need a little, little weight. <laughs> <sighs> Are you gonna be catching me, man? Are you gonna roll on me? <laughs> Gosh. Gosh. Man, I better you know, talking about being able to outrun Batman. I hope you I hope you got your utility belt that's not too tight. Because <laughs> you're gonna need to throw something. You ain't gonna catch me. <laughs> Wow. How, do, how do you feel as being Bane? Are you familiar with this? This is Batman 3. So I am. You, I saw Batman 3. And are, so you know the reference where I think he leaves one of his villains on the plane. So there's yeah. no... Yeah. So pretty hardcore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. What else we Next got? Next one. 
Meister. Uh, yeah, so I guess the, I'm sad because, you know, they're doing a public execution. So that's a sad thing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's awkward. It's, it's not, it's not a, my cup of tea. No, the next one, you think... have all, you have all the pageantry and majesty of, a, of a monarchy. And that makes me happy. As it should. As it should. So that very public good. Public executions are downers. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, very cu- very cute meme, get gets my approval. You got another one of the same same cloth from Jolly Jacobite, uh, where I'm, you know, oh, having that's Charles, unkind. That's unkind. Having Charles answer questions from fans off the menu, just you know, it's it's hard work, you know, it's. Uh. <sighs> but then having Charles chill for books available for purchase at TumblrHouse.com, that's oh, that makes me happy. Well, that's all right. There's a certain truth to that, but never mind. That should make you happy, too, because, you know, you should want your books to sell. I do. I know what happens when your books don't sell. Bad things. I know. I get get punished. You get punished. So keep buying Charles' books. You've had a good week so far. I think the people have responded to, you know, the call to action to help Charles out. And they've come through this week. So thank you, you, everybody. You please, please, you keep that going so I don't have to be punished. And remember, it's bad enough being punished when I'm over here. I'm going to be home for August, and I do not want punishment then. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one is uh, I took I plucked this one from your Facebook timeline, and it was just so good. This was kind of a Fourth of July thing. Um, me, uh, uh, the the most vanilla f- family portrait in the world, <laughs> except for one one member of this family. <laughs> But oh, but then they show it's like okay, Great Britain is the father. I don't know all these flags. Um, let's see here, Canada. You've got Canada. What is it? New Zealand. I don't know. Little what the, kids. The little kids are Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, ones. yeah, yeah. There you go. And I don't know what the dragon. What's the dragon one? Wales. Wales. And what's the one with the with the white cross in blue? Scotland. Scotland. Okay. And then America is the rock and roll rebel just just gone off the rails completely gone off the rails the problem child <laughs> the problem child and you know what was funny i was asked about this uh, about this very meme uh to extend you might say and the, the one question came to me where's ireland hmm. and i said ireland's taking the picture <laughs> and then someone else says have you know said where's india I said in the kitchen making curry <laughs> for their lunch. So that's that's, but ah. well, that's pretty much America's position in the Anglosphere. What I love about this though is, I mean, there's the dynamic. Like the funny part, it, it's like it, I mean, this happened in real life. Like this is this is a this is a family dynamic that actually happened, where you have the most vanilla family in the world. And then you have one of the sons that's just completely gone off off the rails. Rebel and, without a clue. And so you think this really happened, right? This is not some sort I mean, of doctored thing. This really... Yeah. I think it happened. I don't <laughs> think they were waving flags, but... Of course. I, uh, I think that especially the little ones probably were not waving theirs. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably a, an authentic picture. Yeah. And the uh, the kid uses, it looks like you could use a real slap across the face, you know. The uh, you know get his mind right. As, uh, That's so awkward. That's just what? so awkward. I just feel bad for the dad that 
and just everybody. I don't know. It's so. Okay. I know. I the, the kid. The kid should have been had his hair forcibly cut. I know. Okay. It's it's like Taylor Swift in in a video. It's it's just embarrassing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. Okay, like old Taylor Swift or new Taylor Swift? Either one. She's embarrassing. Oh, you better watch. You better watch yourself. Okay, watch yourself. That's, that's popular. There's a lot of old school vintage Taylor Swift fans who would not be happy with you right now. What's old school vintage Taylor Swift? Three months ago? No, like when she was in high school. Like uh. That's what I'm saying. Three months ago. No, like ten years ago or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. But she things. played Hannah Montana. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Even I couldn't say that with a straight face. Never mind. <sighs> Okay. Lindsay Lohan's available, isn't she? You you're just so stretching for all this pop culture like fake knowledge that you're just trying to shoot out there. Yeah, Lady Goo Goo, Lady uh, you know J Lo, J Lo, Green Dog, yeah. Green Dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Snoop Dog uh, when Snoop Dog becomes the main vocalist for Green Day. <laughs> Green Dog. Green Dog. <laughs> Okay. I, this is an idea that okay, has legs. <laughs> All right, let's see what else okay, we got in the, the bin. The last thing is one of my all-time uh, favorite comments we've received on YouTube. This is one of the best <laughs> comments we've... I love this. Uh, I think you'll love it too, Charles. From Christopher uh, Girolo. Imagine being new to Off the Menu, not having binged every episode like any reasonable, insane person. And you hear all this talk about someone named Tyrone, lucrative business deals with the IRS, and haunted 13th floors in some sort of tower. I can only imagine the utter confusion. What I, I would give to read their thoughts. Oh, confusion is the guardian of truth, gang. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> Well, I tell you, I tell you, if you can't confuse, you know, if you can't confuse them, what, what good is motherhood and apple pie? <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I, uh, it's like my late father used to say, if you can't beat them, harass them. We, have, do we have any more memes or are we on to the questiones? We're done. We're on to the questiones. All right. Let's see what we got. We've got a bunch of questions from uh, Ryan. Okay. First question. Could Charles plead, please discuss the tradition of or history of an armed populace. I seem to recall that in the Middle Ages, only nobles, knights, and officers of the king could bear arms. What about Roman times? Is the Second Amendment, which allows an armed populace, an Enlightenment novelty? Or does it find some Catholic history? Well, firstly, most people are born with arms. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that's like that T-shirt where uh, we have the right to bear arms, and it's a guy, but he actually has bear arms. Yeah, with that's a, right. You know, as in like the animal. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, bear yeah, arms. Oh, you that. That. You no, I did. Yeah, right. me. All right, that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, to answer your question, that's true, and it's not true in the sense that uh, during periods of peace, that is, when there weren't Vikings and people like that attacking. That was true, although people did have uh, things they could hunt uh, small game with. So what was true, that it's basically just the um, the armed service? is Yeah, it was It was the, the kings and the nobility and the knights that made war. Uh, normal people weren't supposed to be involved with fighting. 
we think of it as a right to bear arms, but you have to look at the other half, which was an obligation to bear arms. And the serfs of the Middle Ages, they did their work, etc., on the proviso that they were protected. They shouldn't have to bear arms. But, and I mean, that also... But, that, I mean, wasn't the world a more dangerous time in a sense? I mean, muggings going on the road? I mean, you're all alone on the road. There's no police. There's no highway patrol. There's no... No, there, there isn't. But uh, there, the penalties if you got caught were hysterical. So if you played a if you played the robber on the king's highway, uh, and this was where people did bear arms, uh, the local sheriff or whomever would uh, get everybody together and they go hunt the guy down. That's where the phrase "posse comitatus" power of the county comes from, which stayed in law in England down to the 1830s, and as you know, it was a big part of our Western dramas. You know, the sheriff got to get a posse together. Well, that yeah. was the way. That was the way things were done in the Middle Ages. The 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 uh, Western sheriff and the medieval sheriff had a lot in common. Interesting. Wow. So, uh, as far as bearing arms, though, it was a bit different when people came to the New World because it wasn't settled. Uh, you know, you had the Indian threat from the very beginning, and so from the very beginning. Uh, people went around armed in a way they just wouldn't have in Europe. I see. Okay. So, now mind you, the whole only the nobles fight went right out the window if you had a pagan aggressor. Because remember, in medieval Europe, there were certain seasons where people weren't allowed to fight. And there were certain areas where they weren't allowed to fight. The truce of God and the peace of God. Um... But if you were fighting uh, Muslims or much earlier the Vikings or Magyars or any kind of outside riffraff, all those laws went right out the window, obviously. And so you armed everybody and his brother to try to resist them. But remember, arming everybody and his brother meant arming people who were farmers. They yeah. weren't used to fighting. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that until the Reformation, the idea of everybody getting involved in a war was strange. Uh, you didn't you didn't want to attack peasants because they're the, they're the only way you can eat. So by and large, people would try to avoid attacking, you know, non-combatants. Right. But uh, the Reformation introduced the idea of ideology into warfare, and so the result was the Thirty Years' War, which was very devastating. Uh, so bad that there would never again be a war like that until the French Revolution when the idea of the nation and arms and conscription and all that was introduced. There was never conscription before uh, the French Revolution. Wow. Wow, that's an important bit of information right there. Yeah. But see, in this country, as I say, when you start really not just here, but Australia, New Zealand, Latin America, uh, South Africa, any of the settler countries, uh, everybody had the right to bear arms because you were constantly under the threat of attack. So okay. it was a very different development. Yeah. Okay, next question uh, from Ryan. 
It's my understanding that the common opinion in the church today is that the mere election of a man to the papacy by the College of Cardinals and him accepting the election conveys the papacy ipso facto. Is this always the opinion in history? Yes, always. Although it wasn't always, uh, well, as long as we've had a College of Cardinals and a conclave. Um, the truth is that pre pre popes have been chosen in different ways. The second pope, Pope Peter, Pope St. Peter, of course, was appointed directly by Christ. He appointed his successor, Pope St. Linus, the, uh, only, the only one ever to be chosen by his predecessor. Uh, after that, they were elected by the uh, priests and people of the city of Rome. And this continued until the popular element of the election dropped out. For a while, they were appointed by the emperors. And then uh, the conclave system slowly developed, uh, becoming fixed around, I think, the 1100s. Uh, but the pope was held to be pope for the moment he was elected. I feel a plug coming on for Ryan's question. Ryan, look carefully at the book that's about to be shown. Wow, you, his, Vickers of Christ, The History of the Popes. Ryan, you would know all these things had you read Vickers of Christ by Charles A. Coulomb. That's me. Was that a plug? Oh, gee. A comprehensive history of the Roman pontiffs. You betcha. And you'll find out all about how the electoral system developed and how the whole uh, ceremonial side of the papacy developed. Oh. Okay, Ryan's next question. Uh, he's very, Ryan seems very interested in the papacy right now. So this is especially relevant wonder, for him. I wonder why. Hey. It seems to me that since the papacy includes powers far beyond those of an ordinary bishop and being an office instituted by Christ himself, should the initiation of a papacy be accompanied by an equally powerful and obvious sacramental sign, like an anointing or a crowning or the obeisance of all the cardinals of Rome or the swearing of a papal oath or all those things? After all, even the coronation of a the coronation of a secular king has a holy anointing, and even ordination to the minor orders have specific ceremonies that indicate the powers conveyed. That's a great question, right? It's a very good question, and the answer is that over a long period of time, people thought exactly the way you do, Ryan, which is why gradually, over a long period of time, the papacy got all sorts of added insignia, like the tiara. And that was why this culminated maybe in the 1300s or 1200s, something like that, in the ceremony of the papal coronation, which was a wonderful, wonderful ceremony that did exactly those things. There was no anointing, but the, uh, the coronation with the tiara made it quite clear what the story was. But then came the 60s, and people were very humble, and like, they didn't like to, you know, it isn't about my office, it's about me. And being authentic to whom I am as the person. And I don't want to clutter up uh, my way of living the office with the traditional trappings. And this was true of mayors. It was true of universities, especially here in Europe. 
where they got rid of academic garb because of the 68. You know, when the people who now run the show were young and alive, well, back then they were really alive. Now, of course, they're kind of hanging on as corpses. But in those days, they were alive. And they got very excited with themselves. And they said, we're getting rid of everything. Well, guess what? They grew up, sort of, physically. And they grew up in charge. But uh, John Paul the um, uh, first uh, was typical, although he was not a boomer, a generation of 68 person, he was older. But there was a big thing in those days to get away from ceremony. I mean, it started with the mass, obviously. But we, you know, we don't. We want to be simple. We want to be humble, like in the early church. So when he was made patriarch of Venice, uh, traditionally, the patriarch of Venice had his own gondola, and he would make his entry into Venice, the state entry of the gondola. And this is a big deal. But uh, when Albino Luciani became patriarch of Venice, he did away with all that because it's not where the church is going. It's not who we are. And then when he was elected pope, he felt the same way about the coronation. And then he died. Poof. In a month or two. And then when John Paul II came in, he couldn't very well have a coronation because John Paul I hadn't had one. Now I understand that Benedict wrestled with having one. He wanted one. He allowed himself to be uh, argued out of it. And then, of course, when he had his coat of arms put up, he took out the tiara and put on the uh, the beehive or whatever that thing is. Looks like a beehive. Anyway, to answer your question, um, I think it was stupid. But nobody even cares what I think. And then, of course, Pope Francis, being so humble, couldn't even think of, you know, having anything like that. Okay. Uh all right, another question from Ryan. Why did popes after Paul VI so drastically change the rights of uh, poping? With with all these recent changes to the external rights and procedures, how can the faithful have reasonable assurance that the man elected as pope has the proper intention without any reservation of accepting the full rights and duties and responsibilities of the papacy as established by Christ to teach the Catholic faith as defined by scripture and tradition, whole and entire. It seems like a big deal, and I am per perplexed on how a simple, yeah, I'll be Pope, call me Francis, alone gets the job done. We can we can see now where, where Ryan is going with his questions here. I, I can, and the answer is because it was always that way. Before we had a coronation, before we had anything ornate, uh, there was a, a minimum of ceremonial because the papacy was illegal. Uh, you know, one of the one of the stupid things about the simplicity of the early church, which you won't hear so much now, but when they were bringing in all the changes in the 60s when I was young, was always the, we're going back to the early church. Well, yeah, but see, that simplicity was because it was an illegal organization. I was about to say, move to China if you really want to feel like the early church but we know what the holy father has done with the church in china nevertheless the the uh, underground church in china they're close to the early christians of course they offer the latin mass so i don't know anyway uh that's what they forget is that it's not really 
smart to look at what the pre-Constantinian church did because it was illegal. Everything was ad hoc and emergency. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, you know, if, if, um, if, I, if, if there's a war on, right, and there are blackout orders, so you always turn the lights out, and you only, during the day and the night, you're just you a little flashlight over your job. You know, you're looking at the thing here. That is not a good pattern to follow after the war. The war's over. There are no more bombers. Yeah, I know, but we got to keep the blackout going. Why <laughs> do we have to keep the blackout going? Well, because we just have to. That's what they've always done. They've always kept the blackout. Uh, yeah, look, okay. They had the blackout because there were enemy bombers. And if they saw the lights, they'd blow us to smithereens. Okay, war's over. No more enemy bombers. So we should be able to turn on the lights, pull back the drapes. Ooh, gosh, I have to do a brutal devil's advocate on this, it, it, albeit disingenuously. Oh, well. Uh, Won't they say that about traditionalists? Like, oh, like, where, what are we clinging to? Like, well, you know, the world has changed, Charles. We don't have yeah, to do it this has, anymore. It has changed. Uh, it's no longer 1968. <laughs> and the proof is in the pudding. You see, I was alive in 68. And believe me, I know the difference. I also know that young people are attracted to tradition. They are not attracted to the crap these people are peddling. If you want to see where the future is, that's it. I mean, again, you know, when the Holy Father was uh, going on about reading in the paper about, oh, these orders that are getting vocations, he gets worried. You're right, Holy Father. You're right. Whenever there's success and growth and youth, you should worry about it because it means you're that much further away from 1968. I'm so sorry for you. And I share your pain. I grew up to Puff the Magic Dragon and Peter, Paul, and Mary. I remember Woodstock and tie-dye ties and oh, go-go boots. Boy, do I remember go-go boots. I remember all that stuff. Bell I'm with you, Holy Father. Oh, bell-bottoms, I'll say. Ugh, boy, <laughs> I remember all that stuff. Uh man. And you know, bad as the '60s were in fashion, the '70s were a lot worse. It 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 was jaw droppingly awful. You've no idea. I remember the first time I saw bell bottoms in my school. It was '68, 1968. Now, mind you, I was in third grade. Yeah, and I looked at this. Uh, this kid was wearing blue jeans with bell bottoms, and I looked at those things and I said, "What the hell?" And I called him elephant feet which made everyone laugh. Within a few months, everyone except myself was wearing them. Wow. And then there was a terrible time between about 71 and maybe 73 or 4 where you could not get straight trousers. Oh, no. Yes. Everything was flares. I remember the first time my dad came home with a pair with a suit with flares, and I thought, Dad, what the hell? He said, I didn't have a choice, son. They didn't have proper trousers. Those were three or four terrible years. That's, that's scary to me. Where yeah, well, that's where the mind of our hierarchy are. Where a pretty simple concept, even in fashion, can get eradicated. Yeah, bell bottoms or flares only. No yeah, normal no straight trousers. No normal pants. Nope. That scares no, me. That really scares me. It was pretty awful. They just did not exist. 
Now, mind you, there were flares and there were flares. I mean, right, my but dad still. Could get the least flared possible. Right, of course, but still. But but still. The, like I, I there's no there's no alternative. You you're getting some version of of flare. Of a flare, yeah. And I, I remember it was 74, 75, maybe. I saw my first straight trousers again. Man, I jumped on those things. Wipe I the, jumped off. Wipe the sweat off your brow. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're, it, it we're was done. horrible. <laughs> but that's, that's where the minds of the hierarchy are at in those four or five years. No, all you get are bell bottoms. You can't have straight trousers. Novo Soto versus Tridentine Mass. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because we're in charge, and we do what we want. And we're old, and we'll be dead soon and have to go to hell. What? Please. Don't let's take that further. Let's just leave it at that. Can we drop this? Why are <laughs> yes, we going on yes, with this? I don't want to go on with this no, any longer. You don't? Okay. No. Okay. Let's All right. stop it. All right. Next question. So, All right. uh, last question from Ryan. What is the history of marriage annulments and their pr procedure? One objection I have to the present annulment process for Catholic marriages is that a couple first has a public wedding with many witnesses. And then at some point later, they get divorced. And after secret proceedings, a secret annulment is issued. And there's no equivalent public declaration of nullity with many witnesses. How can a public sacrament with many witnesses be declared null in a secret judgment? Shouldn't such declarations of nullity of a public sacrament be published publicly by diocesan proclamation so all are aware of the fraud they witnessed for the sake of justice? Wow, that came on strong at the end there. I'm sorry, I was just thinking that that broad from uh, Game of Thrones. Shame, shame, oh. shame. The yeah, the uh, <laughs> the religious per yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've had visions of her guiding the couple through the, through the parish as everyone shrieks and laughs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's pretty well, intense. Uh, yeah, it is. To, to answer your question, the reason why these things are kept secret is for the sake of the children. That's a good reason. Well, this will surprise you, ladies and gentlemen, but the church is not so interested in punishment as she is in amelioration. Uh, if the punishment will do some good, that's one thing. But there are more important things than the parents involved, or the more important things than the parent, or the uh, children, rather. This is a strange concept for moderns, because we're used to killing our children, but they're inconvenient. So it, it's a little tough for us to wrap our heads around the fact that they're, you know, carrying out the race and, and going into the next generation and trying to scar them as little as possible is actually more important than anything else we can do. Uh, <laughs> Now, one of the questions that might not have occurred to Ryan is, well, wait a minute, if a couple get annulled, aren't their children of so facto illegitimate bastards? Which, in canon law, in days gone by, amongst other things, meant you couldn't become a priest or religious without a papal dispensation. The Pope literally made you legitimate. Hence the joke about the Pope's children. Anyway, um, but they have what's called putative legitimacy. So if your parents get annulled, it doesn't affect your legitimacy. And again, that goes to the fact that church law traditionally was all about the children of any given union and uh, not tarring them with the same brush as their wayward parents. So that's why. 
Okay. But the the se- tradition also the second marriage was never given. Presuming you got married after annulment, it was never given the same kind of ceremonial except as the first marriage. You know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't get annulled and then have another big wedding. That just wasn't done. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. Next question is from Thomas. Charles, what do you make of the Holy Father's recent gift of St. Peter's relics to the Patriarch of Constantinople? Critics have deemed it as worldly and as giving St. Peter away. I must admit, I was excited when I read about this, but I suppose time will tell if it is helpful in reuniting orthodoxy under Peter or another hollow gesture under the guise of humility. What are your thoughts? Istanbul was Constantinople now. It's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Now Constantinople get the works. It's nobody's business but the Turks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what? That's, that was I the like song. that song. Yeah, I like I that song. Yeah. It's called Istanbul was the name of the song. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, the uh, you can't go back to Constantinople. Anyway, the point is uh, there are two possibilities. One is that it was a sincere gift intended to bring the uh, the patriarch back. The other is that it was a hollow gesture, meaningless and stupid, like so many others. Um, it could be a hollow, stupid gesture that has the effect to bring them back. Who knows? I don't. Uh, there is a theory among some Orthodox circles, which may or may not be true, and that is that now that Constantinople is no longer shackled to Moscow and various other really anti-papal Orthodox churches, uh, they may seek to reunite with Rome. I don't know. Uh, it'd be nice, especially because they could use all the help they could get vis-a-vis the Turks. The situation of the Patriarchate of Constantinople is very dire. Uh, and empty, stupid gestures aside, if it was an empty, stupid gesture, uh, they need all the help they can get. Um, so we'll see. Time will tell. Okay. Uh, next question is from Todd. What is Charles's opinion on the historicity of the draw de seigneur or right of the first night? If it is authentic, does that say anything about how sincerely Catholic those cultures were? If it is not authentic, there does seem to be contemporaneous accounts of it. What does Charles believe is the reason this idea was created and perpetuated so long if it wasn't real? Well, first of all, we are the best people to judge sexual misdeeds in the past because of our lack of them today. As a pure society filled with wonderful people, we do know best. But uh, the use prime noctis, or du Seigneur, was not, as is commonly thought by the Moronic, uh, to refer to the Lord of the Manor being able to have his way with any married chick the first night. It has to do with the widespread custom of not having sex the first night and, as it were, sacrificing that first night to the Lord, Christ. Mm. In other words, it would abstain the first night as a religious act. Now, were there uh, brutal, stupid people around who took advantage of that and decided to interpret it that way? I don't know. Could be. 
I, we, it's difficult for us, again, because we've never had people in positions of power use their power for corrupt ends. Um, did, did Edward Longshanks uh, institute Prima Nocta and execute it in that way to outbreed the Scottish peoples? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. That's a historical inaccuracy from Braveheart. Yeah, it's an historical inaccuracy from Braveheart. It's also an historical inaccuracy from the warlord with Charlton Heston as a Norman warlord taking advantage of the use of Prima Noctis. Um, but I mean, it's the kind of thing that made Protestants excited. And it's the kind of thing that makes filmmakers excited. Oh, whoa. Mel Gibson is turning over in his grave. You're going to attack Mel Gibson? He won, I mean, that won everything that year. That was a great movie, too. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah, no doubt. And it was, it's historical accuracy. It was on a level with the Patriot. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Look, Mel Gibson is Irish and he hates the English. You know? I thought he was Australian. No, he's American-Irish. He was born in New York. Dude, he's Australian, man. Want to make a little wager on that? He was doing Australian stuff. Uh, Mad Max. There's nothing that. but Australians on those. Well, that's because he was raised in Australia. Okay. See, his father, whom I happen to know, just thought about that out Yeah, there. you've been to the compound. You've been, I got I've it. been to the compound. I've been, I've, I've been to heaven. <sighs> but, uh, all right. Hutton Gibson won a fortune on the game show. He was a, they, they were living in New York, typical Irish American Catholic family. Uh, but Hutton's a brilliant man, has a photographic memory, quite literally. So he won a fortune on a game show, and he took the money, and he moved his whole family to Australia in the early 60s, thinking that if there were a nuclear war, you'd have the whole on-the-beach thing. This is a true story. Look it up. Uh, and so there they were in Australia, and young Mel grew up there, and he grew up to have that sort of funny, you know, strong. I am trying. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you tend to fall in the way people around you speak. I stand corrected. Okay. Is I didn't that, know they were that, I didn't know they were that that newly immigrated. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know when his father speaks as an American. I no see. doubt about it. Okay. And uh, you know, I, I mean it would be the same thing if when I had moved with my parents out here to California, if I had adopted the speech patterns of those around me. You know, dude, it's like, because, I mean, you know, it's just, because, see, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, you, you know? And I mean, it's like, because it's just, I, I mean, you know, and it's really because, like, it's just, yeah. Lay off of California, Charles. Any, any, everyone else is fair game. California, off limits. Yeah, well, tell it to go to Newsom. <laughs> you tell him to lay off California first. Okay, so. Gruesome Newsome. <laughs> okay, so Prima Nocta was something totally different. It, it was not a, um, a political sort of maneuvering. It was not used as no. this coercive sort of situation. Or, or was no. it? No, it was, a, it was a devotional thing. Now, whether or not, as I say, in local specific cases, you had an abusive moron in okay. power okay. do something with it, that may well be. Uh, kind of like the casting couch in the uh, in the seminary. I'm sorry, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Nice save, Charles. Yeah. 
Got it. I said Hollywood. Hollywood. Casting couch in Hollywood. Hollywood. Got it. Or the pages in Washington, D.C. What? What? What is that? The pages? Pages. You know, congressional pages. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. There's a reason why the age of consent in the District of Columbia is 16 by Act of Congress. Well, it's 16 everywhere now. I'm talking to young people, they've informed me it's... Not legally. Yeah, legally. Yeah. I, oh, I don't believe that. Look it up. I've talked to enough young people. I, uh, my reaction was yours. Don't worry about it. I mean, they, they may behave that way. <laughs> okay. And I'm sure that... Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of older people who would love it to be true. That's gross, Charles. All right. Uh, next question is from Brittany. Would Mr. Coulomb please define the gospel? There are certain members in the hierarchy that enjoy using that term to justify actions which do oh. not seem to align with church teaching, such as, in light of the gospel, the death penalty is inadmissible. Great question. Uh, Great question. Uh, uh, uh. In the light of the gospel, <laughs> smacking a bishop around and kicking him in the rear is permissible. I mean, I, you know, it's one of these free phrases that I hate because they're, they're meaningless. They could, they could be anything you want them to. Uh, you know, in, in the light of the gospel, it's okay to have three wives. I just... Part of the problem today is we're we're completely inundated by what someone or other, I think it was John Sr., called cheap thought. And it's not. It's the sloganeering, the buzzwords, anything that takes the place of a meaningful discourse, you know, yeah. meant to shut down any possible conversation. You see, if you preface your remarks with, in the sight of the, in the light of the gospel, obviously, if I disagree with you, I'm against God. So there's nothing I can say. Uh, you know, why don't you try ending everything you say with "according to prophecy"? Okay. Yeah, yeah. there are various clerics. I'm not going to name them, but no. they would use this tactic, like the Holy Spirit was guiding their ecclesiastical actions. So that yeah. that's sort of like. Well, you're not against the Holy Spirit, right? And I was, you know, I mean, you can't just cite the Holy Spirit for your actions. Well, you can if he's going to pay your bail. <laughs> <laughs> I what? I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. The Holy if the Holy Ghost is going to pay up, then you can cite him all you want. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I mean, basically, you have to believe everything I say because I'm God's lieutenant. Well, you know, it, it, it sickens me. It really sickens me, this kind of, of, of pomposity and this self-aggrandizement. Uh, you know, you, you go against me, you're going against God. Well, no. How about I go along with you, I'm going against God. How about that one, smart guy? The problem is... These people are still dealing with the rapidly dwindling capital that their decent predecessors lined up for. You know, today, as we're doing this, ladies and gentlemen, you're not seeing this until uh, Monday unless you're one of the favorite few. But um, right now we're doing this on July 16th, Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. 
uh, and it's 2019. 40 years ago, 1979, was the death date of James Francis Cardinal McIntyre, who was my uh, professor at the time and the former Archbishop of L.A. And what a man he was. I emphasize man because that's not a, a word we think of in connection with the hierarchy. Well, the great thing about Cardinal McIntyre is that he knew to use his authority, but it was never for himself. It was always for the faith. And that's the difference. You know, you could tell with these people when on the one side of their mouths they yap about humility, which is why they don't need to wear the costume that comes with the job. But on the other hand, they're in charge, warm boy. And if you cross them, you're an enemy of God. Um, no. How about it's the other way around? How about you get the respect to your office that you give to your office? You behave like a bishop. And you get treated like one. How about that? You behave like a schmuck. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Patty. Hi, Patty. P-A-D-D-Y. is a gentleman, not P-A-T-T-Y. Oh, Just, so it's not Peppermint Patty. Not Peppermint Patty, yeah. <laughs> this is, Shamrock Patty. Patty's one of your big fans. Patty, I believe his last name is... Well, no, I'm not going to say oh, yeah. his name. Yeah, well, okay, there you go. Okay, um, he says, what do you guys think about the issue of gentrification? On one hand, the distributist American Solidarity Party member within me wants to stand up for the local residents against the supposedly vil villainous developers and corporations seeking to convert their neighborhoods into strip malls and soulless flats. I love patronizing small shops and businesses that have not yet been absorbed by our nation's giant and homogenous companies. However, the fact that this opposition is most often led by leftist community organizer types from whence hailed our previous president makes me wary. Likewise, do the crazy policies of my nearby San Francisco going so far as to prevent a man from turning his laundromat into an apartment building to satiate the demands of professional activists. My dudes, what do y'all make of it? Wow, I think I've been fingered as a Californian. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I make of it several things. Firstly, I think it's wrong to do a one-size-fits-all. A lot depends on the neighborhoods. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you go to some neighborhoods, and they might be, uh, shall we say, lower income but you've got the mom and pop shops you know mama albergetti's pizza parlor katz's uh, delicatessen uh the thimble house secondhand store you know that kind of thing yeah um and yeah the people aren't making a bundle but it's a stable neighborhood uh they are what they are and they've been that way a long time well that's the sort of place you'd want to keep gentrification out of yeah. You go to another place where the local entrepreneurs are crack hoes and, and, and things like that, and pimps, um, you know, and a dime bag on a corner is, is what you're after. Well, uh, those places could use some gentrification. So I think it really has to be a case by case, neighborhood by neighborhood thing. Now, let's say for a second that 
you that uh, the first neighborhood is uh, threatened by gentrification. Um, well, if the only people standing up for it are lefties, I'd join them. I mean, again, look at the issue first. And if you think it's worthwhile, get involved and let your light shine upon men. Hmm. You know, make it clear to them that you're doing this because you're a Catholic, you're a distributist, you're an American Solidarity Party member. And maybe you can open up a conversation about uh, Chesterton and Bellick, nice. of whom I'm sure they'll never have heard since they went to a university, so they wouldn't have been taught that stuff. Of course. Um, and remember that you will inevitably have more in common with the actual people of the district than your leftist confreres will. So you may actually be more effective than they are. Okay. But it's a case-by-case -case thing. Uh, one of one of the um, one of the problems we have in life is making doctrinaire judgments about things that do not admit of doctrinaire judgments. Definitely. Okay. Uh, our last question today is from Bradley. Okay, Bradley. Is there, Lay it on me. Is there any hope for America, like you mentioned for Ireland in a previous episode, or is America doomed to be? Mystery Babylon. What does he mean, mystery? Ba I know ba what Babylon was, but what's mystery? It's a combination Babylon? of Hollywood Babylon and Mystery Science Theater 3000. Really? That's no. MST3K reference? No, oh. it's not. Okay. I just said that. It has nothing to do with it, either one. Okay. No, um, there was a book that came out some years ago called Mystery of Babylon Religion Unveiled which I think had to do with proving that Catholicism was pagan. I don't know if he's got that in mind. It could just mean, uh, are we going to become a new age uh, satanic state? I don't know. Uh, but in terms of you know, the United States being doomed, who knows? I mean, we are, all we know for sure is that we were born here or we live here or there. Was, I'm in Austria. For now. For now. Enjoy the safety and comfort of Austria, Charles. I am. It's great. Corpus Christi procession through the street. Mayor marching in it. Yeah. Police as, you know, guardians. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty neat. Anyway, I'm sorry. I was, you know, you wouldn't see that in too many places in America. It's in a few, but not many. Uh, well, you saw the one in Arcadia, didn't you, from Holy Angels, the big Corpus Christi procession down Huntington Drive. I'll have you know that our parish, undisclosed, uh, actually did one down Main Street. Father Philip. Trying to show up. Father Philip. Father Philip. He was bragging about it at the nights. Yeah. Yeah. You and tell at, Father at Philip. Yeah. You tell Father Philip that when he can get the mayor out there the way we do in Trumile, he'll have something. Yeah. So sorry, Austria. You're not the only guys who can do a Corpus Christi procession. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But anyway, the spirit of Father Junipero Sarah, it lives within us, Charles. <laughs> yeah. If only it lived within Governor Newsom. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right. Enough, enough cheap shots in California, <laughs> even though they are fun. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, seriously, uh, to answer your question, uh, that depends on us, you know? It depends on how hard we try to evangelize. It depends on a lot of imponderables that uh, none of us are in a position to measure. All we can do is the best we can do. 
convert the country one soul at a time. Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> yeah. And what I would add to that, um, I think I got this from Pope Benedict's writings, which is the God's ways are not man's ways. So it's like man looks at structures of power, like what's happening on the surface. But that's not how God works. God doesn't work visibly, like out in the open, like, oh, Fox News is, is totally like, you know, traditionalist now and and CNN. It's not going to be like that. Uh, the motif of the Holy Family, it, things operate through the motif of the Holy Family. You look at them, it's, they're not, you know, they're totally underneath the surface, what's going on there. And I think the re, uh, re the evangelization evangelization of our society is going to be something like that, I think. But uh, obviously there'll there'll be outward things like I mean you know Ro eventually yeah. Well, I mean it's like when you know when the Roman Empire converted, you reach a critical mass. When enough people are believing Catholics, things begin to change. Right. Yes. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, like when it was illegal, then like, what, what was the? Th I mean, did they have a newspaper? I mean, what was the outward thing? It, it was underneath the surface, wasn't it? It just kept growing and growing, and, and eventually, growing. yeah, secret. yeah. And then slowly but surely, it began to penetrate into the corridors of power. Exactly. And uh, as I say, even Emperor Diocletian's wife turned Christian, which is probably why he launched the uh, launched the uh, last big persecution. Then, you know, they'd have all kinds of weird signs to recognize each other. One of the interesting things is that uh, in those days, transubstantiation, the real presence, was a secret. The Disciplina Arcani. Yeah. And it was only revealed to you after you were baptized. Now, the reason why this is interesting is because uh, the Romans got garbled accounts of communion. And that was why they came up with the charge of cannibalism. Right. All the Christians eat flesh and drink blood. Well, we can never believe we... that now because we don't believe it's real. Well, there's that little problem. Their faith is real. So we have these weird Eucharistic miracles to show us we're wrong. Yeah. No, I had I had uh, a Protestant fellow ask me today on uh, on Facebook. As I said, I'm thinking about the miracles that assuming that they're real, why don't they happen all the time? And my response was, ask God. I don't know. But, but anyway, to go back to the main question, uh, I would say the answer to your question, uh, Brad, was it? Bradley. Bradley. Uh, the answer to your question really lies with you. How hard are you willing to work for the evangelization of your country? How important is it to you that this country survive? The more important it is to you, and you can be assured the more important it will be to other people. The less important, the less important. I, um, I, I like that message because I, you know, it doesn't help. You know, there's so many scandals, it's easy to play as the blame game and say, oh, it's wrong with the church because of this scan, the people who do these scandals. But, I, you know, I think our, our, our message is, 
no, we're here because we don't really care about our faith enough to actually do anything. Well, if we if we collectively, did, yeah. If if we did, if the Catholic people, going back now 150 years, had been interested in converting our country, then it would be very very different. Yeah. But we weren't. We never have been. Yeah. The the all we were interested in was getting one of our own into the White House, and we did the very day I was born. And oddly enough, everything has gone downhill precipitately ever since then. My whole life has been one of witness to decay and destruction. You know, your parents are older than me. They can uh, remember quite very well the before time. Yeah. I could just remember it. And then a few years of memory and the morons start. The great stupefaction. And, you know, it's been with me my whole life. That's why, you know, when people say to me, how could the Holy Father say this and that? I've been listening to hear the same drivel out of that generation of priests since I was a boy. And I thought it was stupid then. Now it's indescribable. You know, to put, put this another way, Vinny, you have known me since you were eight years old. Now, if when I first knew you, I had said, hey, you know what? I really would like to eat chocolate every day. And you heard that from me every time we ever met. By now, you'd be a little tired of the same message, especially because, you know, it's not true anyway. I don't even like chocolate. You'd, you'd, you'd be tired of it, you know, and eventually you might just say, look, Charles, I appreciate you're older than I am. All due respect. Could you like just stop about the chocolate, okay? You're always on about it. It's meaningless. It's stupid. Drop it. Well, I have to tell you, that's really how I feel. That's what I would love to be able to tell the Holy Father and his generation of clerics and Susan from the parish council. I got to, I've yet to put that meme up there. That's a good meme. There's a Twitter account, Susan from the parish council for really fun stuff. I love her. Yeah. You know, I've, I've tweeted my, my, my great love for her. Of course. Well, I remember one of them I said to her was, uh, we could sing some serious kumbaya together. <laughs> she doesn't respond. Could it be unrequited love? What do you think? I don't know, Charles. Well, I, I, those are all of our questions, yeah? Yeah. Well, there are a couple of things to look forward to beyond what I mentioned. Are you ready? Ready. This is happening between now and the time I return. That's Be going. ready. I'm ready. My last, body is ready. The last night in July, the night of July 31st, Lammas Eve. August 1st is the Feast of St. Peter in Chains, Lammas Day. Now, what does that mean, you ask? Well, it means it is the day when in old Europe, people would, the, the very first harvest would come through, the first grain harvest, and people would make a loaf of bread out of the very first grain and take it to church to be blessed. It was the first loaf. Yeah. Lammas is short for loaf mass. 
Not lamb mass. A lot of people think that, but it's not. Loaf mass. So what it means is that the harvest is beginning. And if the harvest is beginning, you know what that means? What? Autumn is on its way. Autumn. Think of it, Vinny. Cool, crisp air. Colored leaves falling. Pumpkins. Halloween on route. Think of it, Vinny. Autumn is coming, and Lammas Eve is your reminder. In the, well, it's still the heat of summer. Michaelmas Day is coming in September. All kinds of things for autumn. It's a veritable treasure chest of pleasures. Uh, Thanksgiving. You're jumping Martin. the gun, Charles. I like summer. Summer is my favorite, and you're just, it seems like you're done with summer. Oh, gosh. Let me tell you something. Bredlin and Mary's mother always used to say, summer's over with the 4th of July. <laughs> really? 4th yes. of July? That's like the well, heart of summer. You got to remember that in New England, uh, autumn begins early. Okay. Not quite that early, but. It doesn't begin in July, but I never quite knew what you meant by that. But still, I'm, I'm, I'll go along with the idea. Okay. <laughs> but I, autumn is my favorite uh, favorite season, without a doubt. Okay. It, it, it is. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, on the 27th of August, something very exciting is coming. What? I'm leaving on a jet plane. I'll be coming back here. Yes. But That's not exciting. before we, we get several episodes out of you. Over here in the tower, in the original recording studio. Well, see, that's the thing. You know, you don't use the studio for anything, so it better be clean by the time I get there. <laughs> you know, if I sit in this dust-filled cavern, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> we'll clean. But, it oh, up and by the way, yeah, I, I memorized one of the shows that we would would be was our back. I memorized the books because you know I was sitting there time after time seeing them. What if are the books, Charles? I can't tell you, but I'll know what's wrong if I see it. Okay. You better make sure that they haven't been fiddled with. Okay. Because I'll know. I'll know if somebody's been fiddling around <laughs> with the books. You know, and usually that's something more for the financial department. How is that? Well, you know, fiddling with the books. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> You heard about the corporate? Uh, you heard about the corporate chef? No. What about him? He, co he cooked the books. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I'm sorry. These jokes hitting a little hard at home. Loose lips sink <laughs> ships, Charles. How many times do I have to tell if it, you? If it, if it makes you feel better, I've heard of companies that keep one set of books for themselves and the government. I've heard of companies that keep two sets of books, one for them, one for the government. Why Tumblr House should have seven different sets of books, I'll never know. Well, that's why you're not a businessman, Charles. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, seriously, I am looking forward very, very much to the uh, homecoming and uh, getting back to the old studio. Uh, we'll have to have a special homecoming show. Mm. We'll to, I don't know, slay the fatted calf or, or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll th maybe we'll think of something. We'll see. All right, all right. In the meantime, uh, let's. Say, I guess I guess we'll pretty much run out of stuff. Yeah. 
So that'll do it for this episode. Uh, if you'd like to send Charles a question, you can do so through the uh, Tumblr House website. If you want your question to ensure your question be asked, become a patron for as low as $1 a month. Get exclusive content as well. Um, we did about another, I don't know, 10 minutes or so exclusive content for this in, with this show. It so, was the pre-show. The pre-show, yeah, the pre-show. So that'll do it for this episode. Um, if it's Monday... It's off the menu. And the soul you save may be your own. God bless everyone. Take care.